Welcome to this special ProPass webinar series. We have started a collaboration with ProPass Consortium and are publishing their webinars in podcast format so more people can benefit from their useful content. In short, ProPass is an international research collaboration platform of cohorts using Taiwan accelerometry to explore the effects of physical activity, posture, and sleep patterns on a wide range of health outcomes. Without further ado, let's jump to ProPass webinar. He is the chair of the scientific uh, committee for the conference, the conference scientific committee. And uh, I would like to express my gratitude to Richard for the amazing work he's done to uh, set up uh, this event in such a meticulous and thorough way. And I have no doubt that this will be by far our best conference today. So thank you very much for joining us again. Uh, please enjoy the event and I would like to hand it over to Andy. Uh, before I go, actually, I need to remind you of a few housekeeping tips that Sarah asked me to share with you. Uh, please make sure that you stay muted throughout the conference. If you need, if you have any issues with, with technical problems, please contact specifically Samantha Royal. Uh, every chair will explain how the question Q&A will run. So perhaps I don't need to, to elaborate on that, but we will use the Q&A function of, of Zoom. And remember that the meeting will be recorded. So if you don't want to appear on the video, simply turn off uh, your video function. And I would also like to remind you that we have a hashtag ProPass Conference 2020. Please uh, take screenshot, uh, post uh, anything you think is exciting or interesting about the event. Thank you. Andy, over to you. Thank you, Manos. Hello, everybody. Welcome. My name is Andy Atkin. I'm an associate professor at the University of East Anglia, and I lead the harmonization work stream in ProPass. The theme for our first session today is novel insights on physical behavior and cardiometabolic health from the ProPass Consortium. And we have four speakers lined up for you in this session. Uh, there will be a little bit of time for questions in between presentations. Um, so as Manuel said, please use the, the Q&A function, uh, which you will see at the bottom of the, of the screen uh, in Zoom. Please use that to submit your questions. Our first speaker is Dr. Richard Pulsford from the University of East Anglia, sorry, from the University of Exeter. He's a senior lecturer in physical activity and public health. And the title of his presentation, as you can see on screen, is The Impact of Selected Methodological Factors on Data Collection Outcomes in Observational Studies of Device-Measured Physical Behaviour. Richard, over to you. Thanks, Andy. Can I just check that you can see my slides okay? Great, thank you. Thanks, Andy, for the introduction. My presentation today is going to be on findings from one of the early pieces of work undertaken by the ProPass group. A systematic review examining whether the methods we use to measure physical behavior in co and cohort studies um, actually impact the data that we're able to obtain. So observational studies have and will continue to make a substantial contribution uh, to our understanding of human behavior and health. Uh, the inclusion of accelerometer-based measures of physical behavior uh, now have unprecedented impacts in uh, unprecedented insights, sorry, into the uh, impact of patterns of physical activity, sedentary behavior, and sleep. Um, on uh, health across the life course. But a number of key challenges still remain. These include, firstly, the need to obtain uh, valid and, I guess, as complete data as possible for as much of a given uh, observation period as possible. 
And then to be able to do this in the desired sample of people such that, for example, inferences can be made to the populations that we want to understand. Now, PROPAS, as Manos mentioned, is expanding and in doing so is supporting existing and new studies to, to integrate device-based measures of physical behavior into their work. So in order to facilitate this, we set out to understand better, firstly, what methods have been used across the field, and secondly, how decisions we make around those methods might impact data collection outcomes. In particular, we were interested in key decisions around device choice and device placement, so where on the body uh, accelerometers are worn, the distribution method of devices, so whether they're set out by the post or whether they're actually given to people in person, um, whether participants have followed up during measurement periods by investigators, and what we ask of participants in terms of daily or weekly accelerometer wear. Now, the decisions, these decisions might be made for a wide uh, variety of reasons, um, but we speculated that uh, these decisions could influence the extent to which measurement protocols are more or less easy or acceptable for participants. and may therefore influence things like recruitment, attrition or loss of follow-up, um, adherence to accelerometer wear instructions, and even device or data loss. And the potential consequences of these things are, are serious. It can limit our insight into, into behaviours and their relationship with health. We can have end up with biased experimental samples where there's a systematic difference between those who can and do and those who can't and don't provide the data that we need for our analyses. We have threats to internal validity and of course our limited ability to make inferences about the populations that we're interested in. So with this in mind, we set out to examine whether the methods uh, that we use and the extent to which the measurement methods that we use to collect data on physical behavior using accelerometers that might influence the physical behavior data that's returned in these studies. So to do this, we undertook a systematic review and meta-analysis of methods uh, employed in studies of physical behaviors in adults. We followed the PRISMA framework using a four-step process. So using literature searches to identify papers and then uh, from the papers identifying if they're unique observational studies. For each one of these studies, we extracted data regarding the methods used for assessing physical behaviors and then try to make sense of these, these methods using a combination of meta-analysis where the data permitted and narrative synthesis. Now, I'm not going to go into huge detail this morning on the methods that we used in this piece of work, but the, the study has been published in IJBNPA, so I will refer you to, to that article to, to get a better overview of the four methods employed. And I'll share a QR code at the end of this presentation so you can quickly look at that article should you want to. A quick mention of our inclusion and exclusion criteria. So for this review, we were interested in studies that used accelerometer-based measures of physical behaviours. That were observational studies by design, so either prospective or cross-sectional studies, and, and that included adult participants only. So we excluded studies of paediatric populations and either clinical studies or studies of clinical populations. For each study, we then identified how many separate physical activity measurement waves have been undertaken. So important to remember that the unit of assessment for this review was a physical activity measurement wave. So for example, the 1970 British birth cohort, although there's been multiple waves of measurement over time, there's only one measurement wave that included device-based measures of physical behavior. Whereas with some studies, there have been multiple measures of physical behavior. So these could be repeated cross-sectional studies like NHANES or prospective studies with repeated measures in the same population. So for each measurement wave, we extracted the following information. We started with some fundamental information about the study itself. So the study name, location, uh, study design, when the study took place and the number of people invited. We extracted data on the physical behavior measures themselves. So the accelerometer used, where it was worn on the body, how it was distributed to participants and then returned to investigators. 
uh, what was asked of participants in terms of accelerometer wear instructions and whether or not participants were followed up during the measurement process. And our primary outcomes for this piece of work were the number of people who consented to wear a device, uh, the number of devices lost during measurement, the um, number of people who adhered to wear instructions, and the average daily accelerometer wear time. So we identified 95 observational studies, um, in, and that's comprised 123 individual study waves of accelerometer measurement that met our inclusion criteria. And we initially used random effects meta-analyses to examine firstly the proportion of invited participants who consented to wear a device. So that's the first column on the table, percent consented. The proportion of devices lost during measurement, percentage lost, and the proportion of participants who consented who then adhered to wear instructions. So that final column, percent adhered. Now across studies, the average proportion of invited participants who consented was around 75%. The average uh, proportion of uh, data lost was around 1%, and the average proportion um, of participants who consented to then adhere to wear instructions was around 89%. But in all cases, the between-study variance was very large. So we were interested then in the extent to which a number of methodological factors might explain this variance. The methodological factors we were interested in were the study design, the device and wear location, the distribution and return method, uh, again, whether participants were followed up and also the age of the study, so when the, uh, the measurement took place. So we used multivariable meta-regression uh, models to examine these factors as potential effect modifiers. And collectively, these factors explained around 23% of the variance, sorry, 27% of the variance in proportion of people who consented to wear a device, around 70% of the variance in data loss, and around 12% of the variance in the proportion of people who adhered to wear instructions. And the first important factor I wanted to discuss in more detail is device wear location. So this figure shows the proportional differences in percent consented, percent loss, and the proportion of people who adhere to wear instructions according to device wear location. In each of these analyses, the reference category were study waves which employed devices worn at the waist, and the data points represent the weighted mean and 95% confidence interval uh, for the different wear locations shown on the x-axis. So you can see from the middle panel that compared with study waves with devices worn at the waist, the uh, device, sorry, data loss was 4% and 5% higher when devices were worn at the thigh and when multiple devices were employed. And compared to devices worn at the waist, adherence to wear instructions was higher in all device placements, but this was significantly higher when devices were worn at the wrist, where the difference was around 14%. We then looked at the accelerometer distribution method in the same way using multivariable meta-regression. In this analysis, the reference category was in-person distribution of devices, and the comparison group is where devices were distributed via the post. So the proportion of people who consented to wear a device was on average 30% higher, sorry, 30% lower when devices were sent out in the post. And the proportion of people who adhered to wear instructions was around 15% lower where devices were sent out in the post. Lastly, I wanted to comment on wear instructions and wear time, and we uh, examined this uh, part of the data using narrative synthesis. And the first thing to conclude was that wear instructions across studies were very, very variable. But actually, there was a tendency for wear time to be higher in studies where devices were worn on the wrist. Now, in this study, each data point represents an individual study wave, and they're color-coded according to the, the device placement where on the body the device was worn. And they're separated here into quartiles according to sample size. So the smaller studies on the left-hand side and the larger studies on the right-hand side. And you can see that the, the data points at the top of the figure there and largely the orange and yellow data points where devices were worn at the wrist or the thigh, indicating higher wear time overall on average across the, uh, the measurement period. 
So what can we learn um, from these findings that can help uh, ProPass as a consortium to support um, new measurements of physical behaviours and new studies? So we made three key recommendations. The first was around comprehensive and standardised reporting of methods, uh, which can facilitate the sharing of best practice and um, comparison between studies, but importantly, the harmonisation of data uh, by consortia. Now, while reporting of methods in studies included in this review was often very comprehensive, there were significant gaps in the information we were able to obtain. So we have uh, designed and, and released a, a, a reporting checklist, which is a supplementary file in our IJBMP article to, uh, to support colleagues with this. The second uh, key recommendation was around optimizing data collection. So decisions around device where location, we understand are, are very, very complex and multifaceted and may reflect differences in the study design, the study setting, the population, and also the study objectives. But in this review, it's worth noting that rates of consent and adherence to wear instructions were higher in, in studies where devices were worn at the wrist and, and comparably high in studies where devices were worn at the thigh. So this may reflect differences in acceptability, which have been noted in previous studies. And I will encourage you to, as, as Manos mentioned, to join the session tomorrow, which will discuss further the expansion to wrist-worn accelerometry. Secondly, um, we observe that distribution of devices to participants in person um, is associated with higher rates of consent and higher rates of adherence. Um, obviously, this is not always going to be possible, particularly where studies cover a large geographic area, but perhaps something to note that when it is feasible, it may be an important benefit to the return of this data. And our last recommendation, I think recognized by many as a clear research need, is that almost all of the study waves um, included in this review are from high-income countries um, and actually expansion. Um, for international consortia, um, like ProPass, to include studies from lower and middle-income countries is a, a clear, uh, important strand of our work. Um, so again, please stay to the next session of the, of the conference, which will discuss further uh, ProPass efforts to, to expand uh, in this way. Thanks for your attention. I've, I've covered quite a lot in a short space of time. So there's a QR code to the article on the left-hand side of the screen there, should you be interested in, in learning a bit more about this piece of work. Thanks, Andy. That's excellent. Thank you very much, Richard. A great overview there of a, uh, a very large and, I recall, complicated piece of work. We haven't received any questions in, in the Q&A, so I will just uh, kind of encourage the audience again, do post your questions in there if you have anything that you would like to, to find out from our speakers. If I can just jump in, then Richard, Manoff set the scene for us at the beginning, how he sees the, the wearables landscape, as it is kind of emerging both in the, in the kind of research context and, and in the more kind of commercial lifestyle kind of sense, I wondered, and he's, he predicts that things will change and we will kind of come more into line, I guess, with that commercial, but I wonder how, if you kind of share that view and how you think that might change the kind of data that we get, the quality of data that we get from, from devices. Yeah, of course. I think Manos is absolutely right. I think the landscape has changed and is changing. I think one of the really notable things um, from the, the studies when looking at the studies within this field and the studies that were included in the review is, is kind of a, a, a fairly rapid shift in terms of the devices and the device placements that predominate yeah. at a given time. I think the, historically, the majority of the studies use devices worn at the waist, and that's gradually changing and diversifying to the thigh, the wrist, and also the use of multiple devices and, and, and kind of diverse different types of device as well. So I think device placements will, will certainly change, continue to evolve. And also, I think the, you know, we're, we're interested, as we said, from the outset for this piece of work in maximizing the data that we can collect. 
in terms of capturing um, the largest possible proportions of a given day, but then extending that measurement for longer periods. And I think that across the um, the measurement waves included in this review, um, the overwhelming majority were were a week or less as has become kind of standard practice. And I think the potential for new devices and certainly consumer wearables um, with uh, with even simple um, developments in battery life and, and onboard processing and those, me- those longer measurement periods, which can better capture habitual physical activity, uh, will become more and more common and will certainly benefit what we can understand about, about human behavior. Excellent. Thank you, Richard. Uh, great presentation. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes. So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.